0: I'm Raki and this is the My Small Business Life podcast. Every week we talk to small businesses from a diverse range of backgrounds to understand what it's really like to be your own boss. From startups to scale ups, if you work in a small business or are thinking of starting one, we will be sharing our insights and advice about the realities of working for yourself. This week, we talked to Dr. Chris Harm, who runs his own chiropractic clinic in Fulham in London. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Or should I call you Dr. Harm?
1: (laughs) No, call me Chris, that's fine, or Dr. Chris. Dr. Chris is what people call me in clinic.
0: Okay. So, you are a chiropractic doctor, so I think it would be a sensible place to start to get an explanation from you of what chiropractic is because obviously not everybody has been to visit one.
1: So chiropractic chiropractors work with the nervous system and the nervous system is the brain and the spinal cord, which is then situated in the back right in the backbone, which is what people think that we only do backs, which we don't. So we detect interferences in the spinal, Connections with the body, and correct them with adjustments and other little soft techniques that we that we use to make sure that the body works in the best possible way.
0: So, how would chiropractic be different from something like osteopathy?
1: It's not very different. It is different in terms of the philosophy, Um, a bit like what comes first, the hen or the egg, and we look at things, chiropractic look look at things from above down inside out. So everything comes from the brain down to the body and then from the inside out. So we don't use too many tools going from the outside in, which is what osteopathy do a little bit more, uh, more than us, but still not as much as physio do.
0: Nice clear explanation, thank you. You are from Sweden? Yes. And that's where you studied chiropractics?
1: Yes, it is. I studied between 93 and 97, which is a long time ago.
0: It is a long time ago. (laughs) In my head, it's only about 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) But I believe it's longer. It is longer. So how long were you a chiropractor for in Sweden before you came to the UK?
1: Not very long for about six months. So I graduated in spring of 97 and I moved here in February 98.
0: I know that you worked with professional sports people back in Sweden. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: So during my studies I I also worked in a spinal rehab center for people who had broken their spines or people who had severe whiplash injuries and multiple sclerosis, and they came to this center to train for four to six weeks at a time. And I got in contact with uh, a lot of different sort of sports people there. I worked together with a wheelchair basketball team, the national wheelchair basketball team during the European Championships in 96 in Berlin and I also worked with a lot of hockey players in Sweden during my studies and also the six months that I was working in Sweden really and then I decided during that time to to leave and go somewhere else
0: and so when you're a young person thinking about what career path you're going to take how does something like chiropractic come into your knowledge
1: well i was a gymnast when i was younger and i always knew that i wanted to do something with the body. So my first port of call was obviously a PE teacher, uh, which then quickly sort of went into physio, which is what I knew what it was then, physical therapy. And it wasn't until I was about 15, 16, when I had a pretty serious sort of incident, I should say, in, in doing gymnastics. And I went to a chiropractor myself there and and literally in two seconds decided I wanted to be a chiropractor instead of a physio.
0: Wow, okay. So you go to university, you qualify as a chiropractor, and then you decide to come to the UK. What prompted that decision?
1: Well, I've, I always knew that I wasn't going to stay in Sweden, even from very, very early, before, before I studied chiropractic. Being um, half German, half Swedish, I tried To go into Germany when I was 20 and they wouldn't let me in because we weren't in the European Union then so fast forward after uni I thought where do I go and and strangely London was not on my map at all and I, I went here with some friends to have fun for a holiday and we did and I literally remember sitting in the rain having a coffee deciding that this is where I was going to live, so.
0: Yeah, a lot of those decisions are made in the rain because if you're not comfortable with the rain it's not going to work out for you when you come to the UK. Very true. (laughs) Did you start your business straight away? What was the process to setting up your own clinic?
1: Well the process was that I actually did a professional English course, sort of Cambridge course of English, for four months. I never sat the final test because I got a job. So it was really just to get into the thinking of the country and how to how to do things. So I had a bit of a buffer period. But of course, looking for a job was my main goal. And I got a job and I left the course about a week before the finals to cover for a chiropractor who was going on holiday. And then I got a job with that clinic and I worked with that clinic for five years in total and during that time fairly quickly I started up a little sort of side business by myself doing two evenings in the week in a, in a room that I rented in Fulham and have been in Fulham since then really.
0: So a lot of people will start their small business on the side in a way that's quite a regular story I guess. When did you make the decision to leave full-time and take that risk if you like of being self-employed
1: it was a few steps actually so there was about it was going from full-time to part-time first and then to just two days a week working for somebody else I increased my days a little bit and a little bit and I was very lucky to have somebody who who would let me do that I suppose but I was so far away from where my then boss was working so there wasn't really any competition there and then one day you just get to a point where you go like it's time it's totally time and you you jump you're gonna have to have a lot of trust in what you can do yourself or be very cocky (laughs) so i think I was a bit of both actually
0: i think you do need a bit of both to survive in business or just life in general So how many years ago was that, that you made the move then to work for yourself?
1: 2002, I started the clinic. I took over a a clinic name in 2002 and I was still doing part-time for another three years. But there I was working every day of the week then really, two days a week for my boss and then five days a week for myself. So it was kind of an easy transition after that
0: so as a young person you come to London because you had a great time on holiday and then you start working seven days a week and with no balance.
1: No, true. It was um, hard work but fun and I've always known what I wanted to do so there was time for other things as well. I made time for other things as well. But yeah, I always had my, my goal set although that is a dynamic thing, sort of you move the goalpost. As you move, I suppose move forward in life.
0: So your expertise is well-being, let's just call it well-being for now, but you then have to make the switch to running a business. Yes. How do you then learn what you need to learn in terms of the new commitments that you've taken on? So I'm assuming you had a premises to run, yeah. all of these things.
1: <laughs> I have no schooling in business at all. I'm completely self-taught with reading books, watching other people, um, speaking to older friends who are running their businesses, which was businesses, but not the same as what I did, but they're still a business. And then having great friends to juggle things with, like yourself.
0: Thank you. Are there any books that you read that you think are worth mentioning? Can you remember now?
1: Oh, wow. Back then not straight up. I mean, I, I just about remember books that I read last week. I think there's so many books out there for running your business that you just have to search and see what fits you because there's so many styles and so many things that don't gel with you. I remember there's, there was a few books that I started reading and thought, nah, no, this is not how I want to do it. You just have to read and read and read and find your own path, because you take little bits from everything, you know, from all different aspects.
0: Oh sure, there's no 100% foolproof blueprint for how to run a business. What are some of the things that you think you've learned the hard way?
1: (laughs) I think most of it... (laughs) (laughs) I mean there it's a journey right so you you learn as you go and you try things and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't work at all I think the hardest bit and if I look back now would have probably been to to do a small business course actually parallel to what I did to actually have an understanding of what I needed to know in the basic stuff right
0: yeah
1: I I knew I was doing good with being a chiropractor, but I did not know how to run a business in the beginning. So there's been a lot of um, sleepless nights for needing cash flow. There's been a lot of sleepless nights for being, what do I do with this member of staff? How do I manage this? But you live and learn, as they say. So
0: I still think that's very helpful to everybody, just in terms of... It's okay to make some mistakes along the way. It's okay to get things wrong. That's part of building your resilience and part of the journey, right?
1: I think it's a must.
0: Oh, okay, good. Come on, tell me more.
1: If you don't fall down, you will not know how to build up, right? I have fallen so many times on my face with lots of different things, and it's things that you can't see from the outside. And I think that's a growth, you know, for you. Somebody clever I know said some some uh, time ago that the person who are willing to look sillier is the one who's going to win, right? And and it, it says a lot of things, I think. You, you have to be a bit mad, be a bit crazy, be a bit silly to... To acquire customers, you have to, you have to try things. You have to try them and, and see if they work. And, and often they don't work. And you lose money and you win money. And if you've done it a few times, you know it's not the end of the world if you lose a bit of money because you can make it again.
0: Yeah, but that's 20 years or so of being in business. You, you have a much more relaxed attitude towards these things. So losing a bit of money doesn't feel as painful or as frightening as it did at the beginning of the process.
1: <laughs> well, it wasn't, it wasn't that much money to lose then either, but it was a significant amount to, to maybe eat for a week or not eat for a week, right? So
0: Yeah. It certainly helps focus the mind, let's put it that way. Yes. So now, all this time later, you have a very thriving business in Fulham. And then lockdown happens, which obviously was unexpected and has had a major, major impact on businesses like yours where you are in physical contact with your clients. So I understand now you've reopened to a certain degree and we will talk about that in a second, but what goes through your mind as a business owner when you hear that your business has to close indefinitely?
1: I don't think I can say that out loud on on here because it's going to be a lot of beeps with that. It was clearly a big shock. We weren't forced to close being healthcare, but we were strongly advised to close. And if we could, right. Because lots of my colleagues couldn't close because they didn't have any backup or they didn't have any money to sort of, bolster them up with and i think think what you like about government now they did a good package of saving people who had paid into the paye thing luckily i did so but it was it was for the first two weeks complete panic um and then i calmed down a bit and thought okay what do i do what do i need to do to maintain contact with clients and and what can I do to keep myself sane? To go not go mad.
0: <laughs> okay, well let's start with the let's start with the client bit first then. So what were the things that you decided you needed to do in your business to maintain contact with clients? Bearing in mind that everybody's panicked as well. So one thing you don't want to do is be bombarding them with buy me, buy me, buy me. So What did you settle on in those considerations?
1: So there was no selling it at all. It was more, this is what's happening. How are you doing? Keeping in contact with them in terms of asking them how they are doing rather than by me, by me, right? So it was just about writing what another clever coach of mine says calls Seinfeld emails, which is... Writing about nothing really, but still writing about what's going on around you. So that's what I decided to do. And in the beginning, I was sending out maybe one or two a week for the first couple of weeks. And then I started sending them out pretty much every day. So there was something going out, whether it was a thought or a longer sort of thinking email or maybe a little video of something we also started recording stretching videos to help people who all of a sudden had to work from the kitchen table at home uh, or the sofa even even worse so we did that and i did some walking selfie videos as i was on my once a day exercise that we were allowed to do yeah that was kind of the first things and then i started going a little bit more in terms of we started a youtube channel we started a podcast uh, i engaged my own staff to help out with you know doing reports we we decided quickly that we were going to have two team calls a week with my self employed therapists just to keep in contact and also keep the team spirit so then that's what we decided to to maintain really yeah and 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 just try to create content that we could use at the time but also that we could use further down when we were opening because we knew at some point we were going to open so
0: so i just wanted to go back to something that you said at the start of that which was Sending an email every day. Now, I sometimes go in and work as an interim marketing director. And if if any of my clients said they were emailing their clients every single day, the screams would be shattering the glass with horror that that was going on. Because for me, that feels like too much communication. Now, as you went on in your response, you're talking really about helpful content, which I calmed down a bit then. My breathing calmed down a bit. <laughs> That That felt a bit more normal. But what was the feedback from your clients about being emailed every day? Was it positive? Did they unsubscribe? How did it work?
1: There was a lot of people unsubscribing, but I think there was a lot of people who maybe had just been to visit us once, maybe twice, who were unsubscribing. First of all, in the beginning, I took a bit of offense, and then I thought, well, you know what? If you don't want to listen to me, then don't you know? That's what people have a choice of unsubscribe from it from, right? Uh, interestingly, now there's been a few clients who did unsubscribe at the beginning, who have now asked why we haven't been in contact. And then clearly, I had to sort of say, maybe you unsubscribed to our emails by mistake? Question mark. <laughs> um, yeah, and I and I think we've reinstated a few people, but. You know, you the whole point of doing this kind of marketing, as in caring for people, is to create your own little tribe around you. So if it doesn't fit everyone, that's fine. But I think I have had an enormous positive response from clients because I have been pouring out things that come from the heart, but also helping them with how they've been sitting, how they should be sitting how perhaps not how they should be thinking, but I was going to how I responded to everything and thought if I respond like this, then everybody else was going to be responding the same or similar at least.
0: Yeah, it's really important having empathy with your clients and understanding where they might be psychologically. So there's obviously a lot of things that you've been doing in terms of maintaining communication with the client. So the second bit you said to me was, There were some measures you put in place to stay sane, which I think has been, for most of us, our biggest challenge, other than money for a lot of people, I get that. So on the staying sane front, what are the new things that you've been doing? I know you exercise a lot. I know you're a meditator.
1: So I decided there was a good time for creating new habits. And another clever person I know recommended a book called Atomic Habits. And I sent that out quickly to my whole team and said, read it. And I think they did. I certainly did. And I got an understanding of why certain habits don't stick and why other does. And that was kind of a good little thing. I quickly decided that, hey, if I can can have all this time on my hands, why not do exercise every day and meditate even more than I did before? So... I did an hour's meditation and an hour's exercise every day which obviously had to be scaled down a little bit once we opened uh, but has still stuck. So half an hour meditation, half an hour exercise every morning before work and no news at all anymore. It doesn't sort of fit with me anymore because I think it makes people anxious and angry actually.
0: It does and I've also had to Do a complete ban on the news. The important stuff finds its way to you anyway. I've massively cut down how much I use social media because I think, from a mental health perspective, it's just absolutely insane. One of the things that I think it would be worth having a chat about is so far in this conversation, you talk about a lot of clever people that you know and you've had a lot of good advice and recommendations from people. And I often In fact, every client I ever coach or speak to will say, your networks outside your industry, for example, in your personal life are immensely important in being a good leader, a good business owner. Talk to me about how you've managed to construct this very helpful network.
1: So I, well... My very first business coach was, of course, you. <laughs> 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 but um, since, since then, I have evolved into a business group. It's, a, it's like a mastermind group that I belong to, and I have done for just over two years, I think, now. So there was a lot of support from that. And there's a mixture of people, although most are Kairos. There's some physios, osteopaths, dentists, and other sort of healthcare professionals in there and we had it felt like we had a zoom meeting almost every day during that not not through the first two weeks but after that and sometimes just to ventilate things really but this group has been a a a big played a big part in in what i have been achieving for the last two years at least there's a lot of things that you know that you should be doing. But when you see people around you doing them, it spurs you on a little bit. So sometimes you feel like, oh my God, I'm I'm behind them, and oh, so-and-so is doing that, and so-and-so is doing that. And it can be overwhelming, but it's also a little push really in the, in the right direction.
0: That's great. I know that we've talked a lot in the last few years, I think, about Joe Dispenza, who, I was going to say life coach type person, but I guess he's more than that. How would you describe him? Well,
1: I have always done some sort of meditation, I think, um, without knowing that that was meditation. Being a sports person, you kind of have to go into yourself a little bit and concentrate on what the task is ahead. So when I got introduced to him the first time, I knew he was a chiropractor. What I didn't know was that he was this massive meditation guru at the same time. And I started reading one of his books, Changing the Habit of Being Yourself, and just it just gelled with me completely. And I started then listening to his meditations online and then decided to go for a long weekend up in Scotland. Uh, and that was a bit nerve-wracking because I've never done something like that ever.
0: So, just to explain, you went to Edinburgh to a Joe Dispenza co- conference, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And how did yeah. you come back feeling from that? Then, what changed?
1: I came back feeling very different, and I know this. This sounds very hocus pocusy, but it was it was some physical changes, but also some mental changes. The physical change was probably the most obvious one to start with that my hands and feet have always been very cold at all times all my life and all of a sudden they weren't which was quite strange and i thought oh maybe it's just a temporary change and they do go back to being colder if i don't meditate as often as i do mentally it was created well it already had had created a bit of better focus for me a a bigger calm in myself by doing the the shorter versions of meditations that I'd done up until then so the longest meditation I'd ever done before this weekend was 25 minutes and in during this time during these three days the first one we did was an hour and ten
0: so for those people that don't meditate the reason you're hands and feet felt less cold would have been because there is a proven positive scientific impact on immune system circulation this kind of thing when you meditate is that as an expert on the body can you confirm or deny
1: no definitely definitely absolutely yeah no that's that's definitely confirmed it 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 does increase circulation it does increase focus in the body and we know that we can control certain things I mean, there's plenty of evidence of people who can, you know, dive down through the ice and, and ice-cold water for minutes and minutes and keep their breath controlled. But it all is trained from, from, from that meditative state. So, yes.
0: So does that mean you don't get road rage and things like that anymore? Because when you're meditating <laughs> that much...
1: I still get a little bit, but I... I can control it much better. I don't. I've never been a a a massive road rage person, but but I do feel calmer within myself, and I don't get angry on little small things, which is a big thing, right?
0: That's huge. That's absolutely Mm. huge. So you're definitely a proponent of Joe Dispenza. So you recommend people looking into his work.
1: Yes, totally. I mean. He gelled with me because he spoke my language as a chiropractor, so that's why I started it. He's also made it scientific, which is what I liked about it. It's not some yogi sitting with their legs crossed and, and going, um, uh, you know, which nothing wrong with that, but but it's a completely different thing to what most people think it is.
0: So back to work now, that lockdown measures are easing. What... the changes that you've had to make in the way that you run your business in the way that you deal with your clients to keep them safe from the virus to reassure them
1: so first of all it was filtering in the information that was coming from Public Health England into the emails that we sent out so that they understood that our priorities was to keep them safe to keep them healthy and to instill trust with them in that and obviously following all the PPE guidelines from what the government and associations tell us to do, that's what we do. So aprons and gloves and ventilations in the room, windows and doors open, uh, no closed environments, um, all of that. Also, unfortunately, not having my entire staff back because of space. So we have been working on our own without assistance which is a lot more to do but it's been working quite well and we had to shorten the appointments a little bit then also to maintain some time in between the appointments to be able to clean thoroughly after and between so yeah so it's been a few changes but it was tricky to first couple of weeks and now it feels like it's always been done almost
0: it's weird yeah and one thing I know about chiropractors is you're you're always getting adjustments on yourself. So to go with your own philosophy, your immune systems are probably pretty strong. Do you worry about getting sick or your staff getting sick?
1: Not really. I mean, I, I obviously want to keep them as safe as possible. But because of the the chiropractic philosophy and being adjusted most of my life, on a very very regular basis and so does my staff they get adjusted by by me or the other chiropractors in the in the practice we don't really get sick in that sense
0: amazing one of the things i wanted to talk about and this will be where we finish up i think and this is not to get majorly political about brexit or anything but you have come from an eu country and we are not part of the EU anymore. On a business and a personal level, how has that impacted you? Has it had any impact or is it just business as usual?
1: Well, in terms of the business, when the vote came through, it was a bit of a strange time, Um, feeling a bit welcomed and unloved by (laughs) the, the country I've moved to. I lost a lot of therapists to start with. When I say a lot, we had we had three um, therapists that were from different kinds of Euro- different European countries, and they packed up and left. So that was an impact. I suppose I had a backup plan myself in terms of what to do because in the beginning it, it felt like they wanted all the foreigners out, right? So but then it was a a matter of, oh, no, but you're not really that foreign, so you can stay and you're, you know. Now, there's still people moving. There's still people getting out of this country. Uh, I mean, quite a few forums from Swedish people and there's still people leaving because of that. But there's also people coming here. They've got this whole year to move here and and get settled status to be able to stay.
0: So in terms of, a drain of talent so for example if you're looking for new chiropractors to come and work in your practice has it stayed about the same has it got harder
1: it's always been quite tricky to get chiropractors from this country because the schools that are here now take a lot of foreign students and they've always most of them have always gone home
0: i lied about that being the last question because i have one more question because you've are so experienced at what you do now. What would you say to your younger self? Looking back now, what advice would you have given yourself?
1: Do some more courses, man. (laughs) (laughs) For the first 10 years, I only did my CPD because I had to and didn't really do... Anything to further my knowledge in business. So that's definitely one thing I would say.
0: And it sounds really obvious, but I know sometimes I talk to businesses and it's clear that the leadership has done none of that in recent times, that they've remained the same kind of leader that they were 20, 30, maybe even 40 years ago. So it may sound obvious, but I think that's actually really, really brilliant advice. And now is the perfect time to be if you have extra time to be doing that. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that, Chris?
1: They can get in touch with me via my website. Okay. Which is censushealth.com or they can also email me at drharm@censushealth.com. at
0: And census is S-E-N-S-U-S. Yes. Fantastic. Chris, thank you so much. This has been... An absolutely fantastic conversation.
1: My pleasure.
0: And I will hopefully see you soon.
1: Absolutely, you will.
0: You've been listening to the My Small Business Life podcast produced by Tigris Management. For more information, visit tigrismanagement.com with special thanks to Gareth Shelton of Pop-Up Painting.